I am Karen Audubonny. This is TKO, and my guest this morning is 5th District Supervisor Ted Williams. Ted, are you there? Okay. Morning. There we go. Now he's on. All right, Ted. So a lot going on with the county. You haven't been on the air since you got reelected up again. I want to uh, congratulate you on that. Um, you haven't been on the air since that. We've been been on prior to that. A um, lot going on at the county level. I got a lot of positive things going on. A lot of uh, things I'd like to talk about. I know we will get into the numbers that are going on and all the controversy around it or the discussion around it. But first off, I wanted to p- talk about some of the positive stuff that's going on like uh they just you just uh put out a whole list of all the money that went out from the uh pg e money there was a list that went out in the last i think uh ceo's report about yeah. that uh total of 22 million ish went out to 65 the the county that office that um i would imagine the ceo's office that was they had to deal with 65 unique outside contracts um and they did it and got it done i to me that's very impressive i don't know how do you feel about that well i feel pretty good about it i think um all of those projects are worthwhile have a direct public benefit um you know if you if you were to ask me today you know if we had that money today how would we divide it up (laughs) <laughs> we'd probably be uh, covering some county uh, deficits, um, but uh, but I'm really happy about the, the the specific projects that were funded. And you know there was there were a handful more that if we had more more money on hand, um, also had merit. Yeah, I don't know. Could in actuality would uh, that PG&E money been able to go for the deficit? I. What I was thinking about that this morning and yesterday, going through all these numbers that I went through yesterday, um, I know that usually when you get a big grant like that from, you know, it's not a grant, but whatever it was, it's... um, you always have like overhead costs. Uh, the organization that's that's distributing the money and doing all the paperwork, I think, usually takes like a ten percent cut for administrative fees, is what they call it. Um, and I don't believe the county did that with this twenty-two million, did they? No, we didn't. And, uh, there's 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 no doubt we used staff time. There was an actual cost to administering it, but again, I think it was worth it. It's a lot of um, a lot of great pro- projects that have direct public benefit. Oh no, I agree totally. But I w- I have to say, um, I was a little bit not shocked, but well informed when it said that there were 65 unique outside contracts that our staff had to deal with. So it was at that point that it came to me like, oh, did we take a 10% administrative fee on that? That might have been a, I don't know if it was even possible to do that, but it would have been something to consider. Well, um, the, the, those funds were, um, it didn't, didn't have a lot of strengths. Uh, that pg e settlement was over the losses the county took so it wasn't losses of the community affected by the fire per se Um, it was the impact on the county at large right a lot of resources were directed for the response and the recovery effort and um, the goal here was to try to make the county whole and um, you know it's, it's, it's never perfect and it was by committee the five supervisors had to agree and but you know in the end i think it was a, it was a fair compromise hopefully everybody feels that they got something out of it oh i agree i think the money went into the community and it was very dispersed amongst a lot of the organizations and i think the process was good too um so yeah i agree everything was good and then 
on top of that, more money that came into the county was the American Rescue Plan Act, which were the, I don't know, acronyms, but that was for the COVID and all of that, and the county was allotted just like $16.8 million for that, and we still have money to come in, but that's additional money that's coming into the county to help with the COVID. Now, is more of that, you feel, going towards administrative stuff and going to help with administrating the money and help with the infrastructure? Yeah, stuff? and I know that members of the public have raised concern, why aren't we um, you know, gifting that money to good causes? And you know, I don't know what the board will do with the second half when it arrives. I'm just one supervisor, but the concern is if we don't patch some of the financial holes in the county, there there will be a decrease in services. And so, trying to balance that, you know, how do you how do you um, give money to good causes when at the same time you may be cutting service due to a deficit? So it's a real tough position to be in. Um, we look at some other counties, you know, more urban counties, and they they were able to um, get that money into the hands of um, of, uh, of partners. And, you know, some of it is is j- just the you look at the dollar amounts and they had much more of a surplus and they didn't all take the same type of financial hit that um, our county government took during the, the COVID sheltering. Is that just because they had more money in coming in anyway or why why did we take well, a bigger well, hit? You, I guess I'm you, not understanding you, that. Yeah, you ask you ask me and I, I think that um, at a high level, we have a, sta- a system in the state that doesn't provide equity. And rural counties often find it costs more to provide the same service. You have more road miles. Think about you're sending social workers out from Ukiah. They're going out into the hills. That's, a, that's much more of a cost, and you're serving fewer people with the same number of, of public employees. And yet we you know, might receive uh, equal dollars per capita. Or you know, the metrics are just a little bit skewed. And why is this the case? To change it, you would need the legislative votes in the urban centers, probably out of Southern California, and and they're just not there. They're focused on the cities. So, you know, I think it's a typical struggle that the rural counties um, just don't receive enough base funding to, uh, you know, barely cover the, the mandates. Well, and this has been going on for years and years. I mean, the 20 years I've been on the air, it's been the same thing. Um, that's one of the reasons that I think the rural counties got together uh, there um, and representatives and had a little, they get together and, you know, talk about this issue and try to go to the state level in force with greater numbers with the rural counties to try to get more equity involved in that. Is there a chance that some of the remaining money from the American Rescue Plan will go in to the county coffers to help with you know with some of the covid impact on the the county structure not just going out to services but the county working you know the county overhead i, I imagine so I, that that brings us into the discussion of are we on track with the budget how much do we have to work with um are we doing cost of living adjustments for hard-working public servants and um you know i don't know any other way to say it then you know, I don't have the data at my fingertips to, to make that call. And of course, that's the position the, the county supervisors are in. It's our, one of the, our primary duties is to um, manage a balanced budget. And it's, uh, there's just not a lot of regular reporting to go on. Well, so you know, how can that ARPA money be spent? It really depends how much of a deficit we have in other areas. Okay, so let's go into that. I want to go into that really in not detail, but further discussion. But before we get to that, 
current and um, debatable subject. Uh, One of the other things I wanted to talk about is um, the fire tax, the measure for the the ballot that wants to go on for a fire tax measure that has gone, I guess, to the county council to be written up and then placed on the ballot. Is that kind of where we're at with that? We are going to have trying to get some of that money for the sales tax. For yeah, fire departments, um, the supervisors actually did, did approve it, and uh, so it will be going to voters. It's a general tax. Okay, so that's been approved. It's written. It was in the. I guess I read that it was in the consent calendar. So the verbiage is all ready to go on the ballot. So coming up in November, we'll have two ballot measures. One will be for the library, and one will be for fire tax. Correct. That's correct. Okay. Um, and it went so the fire tax went in that it's going to be a general fund tax so that'll only require a 50 percent plus one to approve it correct um and then i believe there's some verbiage in there saying the priority for that money is fire and then a small percentage of that 10 percent or something is going to go to emergency services and that's a, well, a small a, a small percentage um, will go to uh, f- prevention projects. That's right, prevention. So, okay. You know, fire, fire safe council may be an example of the type of prevention that we're talking about. Um, so you know, the bulk will be to support our existing fire departments, and I think um, a lot of us. There's about 21 in the county, depending how you how you count them. Uh, a lot of us trust those fire departments. We see they stretch every dollar. And they're buying hoses and band-aids and paying for EMT classes. They really make the most of that money, and um, that—that's why I, I got behind supporting this because I, I trust the way um, how careful they spend money. But um, a small portion of it w- will be allocated to prevention projects, removing uh, vegetation and the and the like. And was there designations that some of it's going to go to emergency services like ambulances and stuff? Was there a uh, not, not, not directly, but not some directly. of our fire districts do offer ambulance service. Anderson Valley is a great right. example. Um, they uh, years ago they rolled their uh, Anderson Valley ambulance into the the uh, community service district's fire department. It's one and the same, and of course it's been struggling. It's a, it's a really hard model to pull off, and there, we can talk about the reasons why ambulance service in rural areas is tough. But a lot of it comes down to the the reimbursement rates being low. And the, the fi- and the reimbursement system kind of being rigged to favor the ambulance that uh, transports the patient to the hospital, maybe not the one that actually does extrication from a vehicle and packaging and initial vitals and getting the patient all the way to the hospital. They may get nothing, and Anderson Valley is often in, in that predicament. So, so in their case, they may use some of this funding for uh, bolstering their ambulance service, but we decided that it's better to let each fire district decide on priorities and, you know, some of them may have more of an EMS need. Some may have more of a structural firefighting need. And we don't want to micromanage that. We want to trust those fire chiefs to make the right decision for their individual community. Yeah, I've been delving into this whole emergency services ambulance uh, issue for the county. I went to the budget hearing um, for the Anderson Valley uh, Fire Department and ambulance uh, last month. Uh, it's very, very complicated, folks, but reimbursement is a big issue. I'm hoping to be able to um, do a more in-depth show on that. Um 
later. So we'll talk about that. But uh, one of the things that came up for me, and I've been talking around to a few people, um, this is going into the, this is going to be a general tax. This is going to go into the general fund, which means it requires less percentage of voters to be approved. Uh, why, why did you guys decide, to, the board decide to go with a general tax rather than a specific tax, which would have required the two thirds and been, you know, legally designated for what you're going to do anyway? What was the thinking? No, I don't, I don't. I don't know that the board as a whole spoke to that. Okay. Uh, individual supervisors may have different ideas. You know, I, I was flexible. I was willing to support either. I just recognized that we have a model around the county that's mostly um, ba- based on saving lives and property by asking people to work for free, and it, it, it it's mostly worked for a long time. But we see our we have an aging population. And we don't have a lot of younger folks coming in to do the heavy lifting of, of firefighting. And you know, the economy has changed. A lot of them don't have the same um, uh, economic uh, situation. They may not work in their community. They may you know, commute somewhere else. And so they're not available for calls uh, during the day. It, it's just a tough, it, it's always been a tough model, but the regulation year after year has increased requirements on, on training. And there's fewer people coming in able to volunteer. And yet we don't have the population density or the revenue for these fire departments to transition from volunteer to career firefighters, not even close. And so, you know, what can we do to buy a little bit more time and keep the current model working? And, you know, as a firefighter for about 15 years and, you know, fire chief before coming into the county, um, I firsthand I recognize the value that volunteer fire provides. There are lives that are saved all the time. There's property that's saved, and I think this is the low hanging fruit. This is a small tax that could have a, a big return on investment, and you know, and, and, and tangible. You know, if it's going to your local fire department, they're going to do something good with it. Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm just, I'm just. Um, my, the issue for me or the concern for me is that it goes into the general fund. And I know that there is some du- there's direction in this uh, measure that says that this is where it should go. But it, there is the future possibility that it just it gets absorbed into the general fund. And you'd have to it just seems like not designating it specifically for fire and where it was going to go. It's going to require more oversight. I can't guess that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I'm you know, just concerned you know, about that. In theory, you know, I, I, I would be surprised I mean, if the, the, certainly the current board wouldn't uh, have the public pass a tax and then take the money and spend it on something else. Say, you know, we've passed Correct. it for yeah. fire support yeah. and then say, well, we're going to send it to Rhodes or the sheriff. I just don't see it. Could a future board do that in theory? You know, I think the future board doing that would probably get recalled. That's not at all what the public uh, is requesting if they pass it. So, you know, it's. It, I, I think at best it's theoretical that the money could be misused. We know we, 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 the public passed a uh, transient occupancy tax or bed tax on uh, campground stay. You can track all those dollars and, you know, they, the disbursements show up on our consent calendar throughout the year. Every, all, of, all of that money uh, is tracked and it's been allocated direct to fire per the formula that was agreed. I see this falling in line with that model. Whatever's raised will be uh, divided per the allocation formula the fire chiefs came up with. Yeah, I guess, I guess the, the feedback or the pushback I've been hearing about that is around the Measure B money, which has been 
a big issue, uh, the, the measure around the cannabis tax and all of that. Uh, I'm wondering if you have any concerns about that it being similar in a situation where there's uh, not a real clarity of where the money's being spent and where it was supposed to be spent. Well, I think on Measure B, um, do you think there's a need for, for clarity? It seems like it's um, tracked carefully. There's financial reports that show where it's going. Good. And there's the training center that was part of the uh, language. when we, we acquired it, remodeled it. It's operational. There was the crisis residential treatment. It was approved, constructed, licensed. It's operating now, serving patients. There was the uh, mobile outreach, the mobile van. It's, it's in operation with a team. And uh, the psychiatric health facility is is underway. It's being built. Yeah, I think with Measure B, um, what I was feeling is that, I, or what I think a lot of the pushback is, is just taking so much time. I'm The accounting's been there and all of that, but I will agree a lot of those things have been happening and they've been happening rather quickly in the last year and a half, two years. But yeah, and I think a lot of that is just it takes so much time to get these projects moving. Yeah, but in this case, instead of the county taking on projects, as the money is raised, it'll go out to the fire districts and it's in their hands. So I don't expect the same sort of delays. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good, and I'm glad to see that's on the ballot. I, I, my, my hit, my personal opinion. I've been in the county and watched these type of issues come to the public, to the voters. Uh, they're very supportive of fire departments. They understand the importance. They understand the locality of the small communities and having them. So I have no doubt this this measure will pass. I think it's just making sure that the money that comes in goes where it's directed to come in so that that's just my comment on that one so um let me just let everybody know you're listening to tko i'm karen audubonny my guest is fifth district supervisor ted williams and we're catching up on county issues and all of that um ted so there's been this whole kerfluffle about the county and whether we're in dire financial straits and all of uh, this has just come up since the last board meeting. I didn't when I when I was planning to get you on the air, I didn't realize this whole thing was going to explode at the last minute, which has kind of exploded. Um, and I so I've done a bunch of research. I have to say, I went and read the audits. Oh my goodness, there's a lot of information in there. But I wanted, I just wanted to step back because I want to try to educate the listeners, inform the listeners as to who does what in the county. Okay, we've combined our auditor controller with the tax collector's office. That has been done. So we have one person there, uh, and then the county executive office. Th- has its own financial team, correct? It does. It does. So, can you? It, it, yeah, yeah. It's, you see where it, I'm going with this. Office, <laughs> the executive office finance team is um, putting together proposals, putting together uh, budget ideas, trying to provide uh, the reporting that it can do based on the data it has. Okay. But it's not. It's not issuing checks. Um, you know, if somebody needs to be paid, that's the county auditor that has the authority. Um, and of course, you know, our executive office is not um, involved directly in the, uh, the outside audit, which happens routinely. Um, you know, the, the difficulty, and I, I you know, I, I've, read, I've read the articles and, um, 
you know, I think there's an assumption that there's finger pointing or that there's culpability somewhere. And my sense is the supervisors are feeling that we want to step it up a notch in transparency. And uh, the public has exactly the same access to county financials as the supervisors. I don't have anything more than what you have, Karen. And if I were to ask you, are we on track on the budget this year per department? Are we spending according to our plan? Could you answer it? I can't. I don't know until, you know, uh, mid-year report or after the close when we find out some departments went over and, you know, maybe we have a surplus. I don't know. And yet you look at special districts around the county, say fire districts, they tend to have monthly financial reports. They know what they're spending and it's reported regularly. And I, I think we're at a time where where we owe it to the public to have those regular reports to say, yeah, you know, three months into the, the budget, we're on track or, or we're not and have a talk. Of what do we have to do about it? So so let's so let's get the structure straight. We've got so we've got the tax collector collecting the taxes for the county. That's the money coming in. We've got the auditor generating the checks and all of that that gets expensed it and they're doing the auditing and the record keeping. What is the the and the CEOs the financial people are working on the budgetary aspect. So the last uh, audit that I went over that got generated was late. It came in just in July for the year um, 2021. So that was a comprehensive annual comprehensive financial report that was generated and uh, given published on uh, July 14th of this year. Okay, so that's of the audit of the finances of the county. Then there's another audit that happens, which is called the single audit report, which audits all the federal awards and programs and stuff. So you've got two different audits happening there. And then you've got the CEO's office generating the budget. So if you if you were to if you want more reporting, say you want quarterly reports, which I think is valid. I mean, having an audit, the audit was very extensive, told us where everything was going. It's pretty detailed and it's very it's at a very high accounting level where even me who does, you know, bookkeeping for nonprofits, it still was overwhelming to read and try to understand. Um, so one of the things I'm wondering is, is, is a lot of this not lack of information coming from not enough reporting or is it coming from not enough explaining it to the supervisors that's what i'm trying to figure out i mean i i would love to have somebody sit down you guys do budget hearings where the you know the ceo's office comes in and explains the budget each department explains their budget and all of that i mean i don't know the last time where the auditor has come in and explained the audit and where we're at and i know it's an after effect it's an after-fact report, but it does give you an insight as to where the county is headed. So anyway, I'm just wondering if we just need more, not transparency, but, but more explanation and more breaking it down to where everybody can understand it. I think that's really the key, where everyone can understand it. Um, it shouldn't just be uh, the auditor's office. It shouldn't just be the board of supervisors the public should be able to read a document and understand where their money is going. And, you know, I can throw out some examples. I was surprised when we were millions of dollars over on the uh, the county's health plan. And, you know, that's material because we're talking about a year where we don't have uh, a, a growth in revenue, and yet we have employees suffering under inflation. 
and you know by all means i i fully support fair wages what can we afford well you know if, if there's if there's these multi-million dollar charges that i'm not aware of that'll be coming in the next year that that alters what we what we can afford and you know just this last week i learned that there's a i think there's a balloon payment due on our debt this county has uh about 70 million dollars of debt there were passports that ran up that debt uh, i don't want to stick the next generation with debt makes me uncomfortable here we are in a position talking about growing that debt to count to cover the jail wing and i know some members of the public will ask why are we they don't support uh, jails in general why are we building a new jail wing well it's a it's mandated that we have a jail and that our sheriff operates a jail it needs to be safe it needs to comply with state laws and uh addition with a jail built around 1985 that was only temporary was to last long enough for the county to build a jail the county never built it and so we're putting a lot of public money at risk if we you know if we don't ensure that we're uh, compliant so i think that's a non-negotiable mandated uh, service we have to pay for it but the idea of of uh, borrowing more money to cover you know the next problem that comes up i'm afraid will be the similar strategy of, of borrow some more so so this debt uh, I understand there may, there may be a balloon payment. We may uh, have to make a larger payment uh, this coming year than in previous years. How would a county supervisor know that unless somebody stumbles across it and mentions it almost as hallway chatter? How would the public know? How would, you know, employees have an eye? So, you know, I don't, I, I, I think times are changing and uh, we all want to move towards more professionalism. And part of that is um, being able to produce documents that gives everybody a transparent and equal opportunity to understand uh, county finances. Well, I think that the, so when I went to look, I agree. The numbers are there. They're very, they're in really, you know, accounting, state accounting verbiage. Um, The most informative part was the introduction level from the auditors. Uh, We are audited every year. There's the two different audits I talked about. Um, I guess the, I guess the surprising thing for me or the conundrum I am in at is that the CEO, Carmel Angelo, had been the one who would report these every year. Is it the CEO's department to inform the Board of Supervisors to take all these numbers, to take all these reports and break it down so that they can report it to the supervisor so it's understandable and you have the information you need to go forward to make these decisions. I agree. It's really shocking to find out you have a balloon payment coming and you shouldn't have to learn about it in the, you know, in the hallways. But whose responsibility, who should take the lead on this to make sure that you're informed? I thought that had been coming from the CEO's department in the past. Am I mistaken? Well, it, it, maybe in some instances it has. I, you know, I don't think that the CEO has access to all of the financial systems. So, you know, there, uh, some of that reporting estimates can be provided. Uh, I think where it gets difficult is you, you don't know exactly how much revenue you're going to have. And there's sales tax revenue, there's property tax, there's cannabis revenue, there's um, additional sources from the state. And so it's a little bit of a gamble. You're putting a budget together without actually knowing. But you want to come close. And since I've been on the board, I'm chair this year, and so it's a little bit more of a heated issue for me. You know, the first year I figured, 
Um, I'm in the dark. I'm coming up to speed, looking around. Nobody else thinks this is a concern. I'll learn in time. Now, you know, this year I'm chair. This is third year, and and I'm putting together that I think we've been winging it as a county. And when revenue is increasing every year, you know, maybe you feel that you can increase spending by three or four percent because you're going to probably have revenue increase more, and it'll all work out in the end. I think that that situation is changing. We may have a def- we may have um, a recession on our, on our hands. Cannabis revenue is lost. We know the projections on sales tax show it's going to be dropping. It may be that we don't have a, an increase in revenue, or maybe we even have a decrease. Can we afford to give raises so that our employees can afford, um, you know, the same same quality of life uh, under uh, under today's inflation? I don't I don't know the answer, but I think that the we we need more accurate numbers. The first year first years I was on the board. I would hear, uh, well, Lloyd, Lloyd was the auditor at the time. Lloyd always finds millions of dollars at the end of the year. And it was like there's this uh, sort of slop. So don't, you know, don't worry too much about it because there's always some leftover that will cover some additional spending. But I don't think that's a great way to operate a county. I think we, the su- success should be that we make a projection and that we come in uh, close at the end of the year, not that we're millions of dollars off, even if it's in our favor, even if we have a surplus, um, you know, we should, we need to tighten it up. So have you looked to other counties to see like Sonoma Humboldt to see how they do their reporting? And if we're totally out of line with the information that's going to the supervisors, I mean, I guess that's the same question I asked about combining the assessor's office and the tax collector's office. How are other counties doing it? Are we trying to recreate the wheel? Are we moving out of a good system to a less, you know, how trying to find out what other organizations, what other counties are doing that works? Or is this well, just my, the, the other side of it is I have to say, I've watched the budget all these years. And yes, we always say we get close and yeah, we can always find the money by moving around travel expenses and taking it from one department to the other. And to be honest with you, Ted, that's kind of the way it's gone for all these years. I will say that that's what I've seen. And it has in most times worked out to 2008 was a big crash where that just wasn't going to work. But what I'm trying to get to is, is there a better way that's working in another county that we could, you know, look at and try to go along that system? Yeah, I think, I think the, you know? the, in my luck, a lot of the urban counties um, have better reporting. And, you know, part of that is the nature of they have a larger pot of money to work with. True. And, um, they, you know, they, they, they can afford it. Rural counties struggle. But, you know, I've been surprised by the pushback on my idea of asking the state controller's office, could they take a look at how we're operating and either give us a thumbs up or tell us there's some best practices that we could adopt? What's the harm in having the state help guide us? Yeah, I guess um, I'm feeling the pushback for that. Well, the way I see that is here we are. We may have to go out and get uh, funding, uh, bonds and things for the the new jail and all of that. And it's going to affect our credit rating. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I think that's what uh, Sherry Schatmeyer said, the previous tax collector. She was concerned that it's going to affect our credit rating because all of a sudden we're asking the state to come in and look at our books and stuff. So I, I don't know if that's true. That may be, that may be a, a worry. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. 
So if there's if there's nothing wrong with the way we're operating financially, why would it impact our credit rating to have the state take a look? Good point. And oversight is always good. I believe, um, you know, in the in the world of finance, it's a whole different story. Um, so let's get back to the idea of the communication that's going on. I know the the June the 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 audit just came through in July. So is there a position where you can get the auditor to come in and explain the audit and and have more input to the board on the numbers and break it down so it is more digestible? Is that something that would help the board? Well, yeah, I, I, I think that's a good idea. I think that may be planned, but it doesn't help us with the year ahead, right? That helps us understand what happened a year ago, more than a year ago now. Right. And what I'm getting at is we, we need we need the professionalism to be able to accurately forecast for the year ahead so that we can maximize the use of dollars. I mean, we have a lot of employees that are hurting. Look at what they're paying for fuel and the commutes they have. Every aspect of life is costing more. And, um, you know, they're asking for a cost of living adjustment. And, you know, I'm left wondering, can, what can we afford? And with the information that's available today for the year ahead or the next three years, I, I really couldn't tell you. I, I think we have about the same to work with as last year, only some of our operating expenses will probably um, go up, just uh, uh, su- supplies and outside contracts and you know inflation hitting those as well. Um, that's a really difficult position to be in because as a supervisor, you don't want to say no to a cost of living adjustment for employees. And if we find that uh, the auditor finds money when this year closes, we're going to feel embarrassed if we didn't give a cost of living adjustment and the money was actually there. On the other hand, if we give it and we find out later that we we can't afford it, then what? What do we cut at that point? Um, So, you know, I I see my role as about being honest, transparent, and, uh, you know, it's a secondary to... Um, be concerned about what potential uh, creditors might think of this openness. You know, they, by all means, we want to keep our credit rating, but um, you know, I don't, I don't want to deceive any of those creditors. I think it's fair to, I think it's it's fair to talk about uh, bolstering transparency. And then, you know, I also have the concern I brought up earlier. I don't know that we should be borrowing more because if this is a structural deficit, if it's not just that we have a year or two where um, we can't cover our expenses, but it's structural. We need to face that. This current board needs to address it and come up with a plan, not looking one year ahead, looking a decade, looking two decades out. All right, let me just do a quick reintroduction, and then we're going to continue this. My name is Karen Adabani. This is TKO. On the air with me is Ted Williams, 5th District Supervisor, and we're talking money around the county issues. So, Ted, you talk about more transparency and you need more information. You need quarterly reports, which I think is more than reasonable that the board should have quarterly reports of what's going on. So who generates these quarterly reports? I'm thinking it would be the CEO's office in conjunction with the auditor's office. Is that where do you see the reports coming from? I would take that. For me, the bottom line is that we have the reports are available to the public. I don't really care how they get generated. And I'm not putting blame on anybody here for not doing it to date i i don't know you know i think the auditor issues payments and so the auditor's financial system may have may be the best source for that information 
If the CEO's office has a way to access it, great. Maybe they can generate the reports. If not, maybe the auditor can do it. I'm less concerned about who does it than making sure that it, it gets done going forward. And, you know, I think it um, it starts spiraling because we know there are a lot of houses that are not on the tax roll. Houses constructed and the books show up as vacant land, so they're not being taxed. I have people reaching out to me saying, hey, um, uh, I built a house or I built an addition. The county hasn't uh, billed me. It's been years. So we're not assessing all the houses, and then we're not billing all of the houses that we even know about. Um, I don't know. When was the last time a supplemental tax went out? Uh, we lost over $6 million in cannabis revenue. just wasn't collected. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, cost of living adjustment and, you know, and the, maybe our inability to provide it. And yet we've, lo- we've left millions of dollars on the table. And some of this money we'll never collect. It, you know, it, we delay long enough and it just drops off. It's, it's no longer uh, billable. So, you know, I see it as an end-to-end problem that we, one of the duties of this county is to make sure that revenue is collected fairly and then um, is, is reported accurately and spent wisely. And we've got, we've got to get away from um, uh, pointing fingers and just, you know, all of us get the job done. Well, I'm, yeah, and, and I'm not trying to point fingers. I'm just trying to find out structurally um, who's going to be the group of people or which um, departments are going to get together to get you and educate the the board on the numbers and what's real so you can decide how to go forward uh what i and i don't know because i'm not internal but i see what i what what i sense being outside looking at all this is there's a real lack of breakdown of communication between the ceo's office and the tax collector and the auditor's office uh it seems like these three groups should be working together to get you the numbers that you need, that we, the community needs to make it. Do we need a financial committee, an ad hoc? We have an ad hoc budget committee. Is that where that should go, that everybody gets together, you know, once a month and says, hey, this is where we're at? Well, we've, we've been getting together. We actually, we have a budget committee. It's McGordy and myself. Okay. Um, we had the two of us and uh, CEO Antle and um, our auditor met last week. And one of the things I asked for was a balance sheet. And I heard... Uh, why that's not possible, and I don't mean to just be a broken record, but I kind of want a balance sheet. And I know there's a lot of reasons why it won't show adjustments, and you know there's char- there's charges that come at the end of the year that you know may not be reflected. I'm fine with that, but I want a balance sheet, and I don't understand why our software can't produce one. Why isn't it a matter of hitting a button and seeing a balance sheet? I mean, you can you can go to a fire district or a water district. And every month they have, they have actual versus um, um, budgeted. You know, they can generate a list of all the transactions. They have a balance sheet. Why, why can't a county do that? Well, is it the, is it at the, um, the hardware, the, the accounting system? I mean, you've been asking. Well, they, seriously, they, they you've been asking. Software six, the county bought software six years ago. Right. And, um, and it, it doesn't work quite right. It, you know, to me, it looks like maybe it was vaporware. Maybe it, you know, it was a product that didn't uh, fully exist when the county contracted. And they've been fiddling it with it for six years. And, you know, I have sympathy for everyone in the tax collector, auditor, assessor's office who has to use it because, you know, they're asking it to do basic functions that, and it doesn't work. Some of that is, you know, the vendor would probably argue, 
um, our migration of data was complex that you know wasn't in the format that they could easily integrate into their software but the bottom line is you know six years of hearing the software doesn't doesn't work right i don't know get the vendor to fix it or switch software but that can't be the you know that can't be the explanation for a lack of reporting going forward in two years we can't hear hear again well the software is not working right and, you know, I understand the county spent millions of dollars buying it, probably millions of staff time over these years trying to work with the vendor to make it work. Uh, is it time to cut losses? We should at least have that conversation. So let's go back. So so you've been on the board. This is your fourth year or fifth year right now. Um, this is my third. My third my, I, I, I'm three and a half years in. Oh, three and a half years. All right. You start the fourth one, right? You won for the next four. Okay. Sorry about that. Three and a half years in. Okay. So in the past... Carmel, the CEO, Carmel Angelo, was the one who came to the board and explained all these issues. And did you feel comfortable with what the CEO's office in the past was giving you? Or has it always been an issue? No, no. no. That's what I'm trying to find out. I I had brought it up in open session, and John McCallum brought it up time and time again. I think I I recall Supervisor Jurdy bringing it up. I think think all supervisors have asked for uh, financial reports. And, you know, we've all made do with what we could get. But... I don't. I don't think it's enough. I mean, if do you, do you, Karen, do you think you can look at the documents that are available and tell us what we can afford in terms of a cola for next year? Um, the problem that I have with looking at the numbers that we've gener- that are generated with the different reports is the streams of what's coming in. I, I guess the issue comes. The, the difficulty for me is what is discretionary money that you guys can actually spend and not spend okay what you can spend and put where you want and then you get into all the contracts with the state the fed and the government contracts that come in uh and those how those are handled and who pays for what because a lot of those contracts a lot of the grants and all the money that comes in because we're a money in county as i've always said listeners we have more money coming in than we generate ourselves um how that money is spent is confusing to me whether we can use part of that grant money and the funds coming in from these different agencies to like like you said raise wages so I guess that's always been the problem for me is the the actual bottom line money that we get to spend as a county versus what's already committed. See where I'm going with that? Yeah. That's the yeah. biggest issue for me. And that's where I get confused. And that's why I think if if we had the CEO's department or somebody in the county with physical understanding and ability to break it down and ex- separate those out and say, here's the bottom line of what you guys can and can't spend and what you where you can spend it. I think that would help. That would help me as a community member. It help me as a programmer trying to cover these issues. And I sure as hope it would help you as Board of Supervisors trying to figure out what to do. Just yeah, and I think it's um, there are a lot of nuances, but that doesn't mean we, we, we shouldn't get there. You know, some of the nuances are facilities. In many regards, the county is an agent for the state. We're, we're carrying out work for the state, and the state pays us for it. You, know, you look at how small our discretionary budget is relative to the dollars specific purposes, you know, like behavioral uh, health and social services. Though the this the physical space, the buildings that are used for those services, uh, should be covered by revenue from the state. But that only works if you have the right amount of space. Do we? I'm really excited. We have a facilities report coming forward. Janelle Rowell's worked on it for some time with her team, 
And I, I think it'll be a real eye-opener. My guess is we have a lot of underutilized space. And we're looking at how do we build a high-performance organization that you know, delivers top-notch services. Well, one way is to not have excess buildings. They all have a maintenance cost. And, you know, frankly, a lot of deferred maintenance. I came on the board and got a look at the uh, communication facilities. These are the facilities that hold the radios that let the ambulance or fire or police be dispatched when you call 911. It's critical they were charting the outages, you know, how many per week, buying parts off eBay. And then we looked at the buildings, and the, some of the buildings are just crumbling and, you know, literally duct tape, uh, keeping the rain off the equipment. So the county needs to prob- probably needs to have fewer buildings to maintain. And, uh, you know, we're only going to get there because we've initiated the process of reviewing every structure and looking at does it meet code, does it meet ADA, what is the condition, what does it cost to maintain the I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that, that that leads to some structural changes. Yeah, I agree. We haven't had a facilities report since the early 2000s. I think it was 2005, something I read. Um, but still, I get back to the whole idea of who pulls all this information together and gives a clear, you know, understandable report, bottom line. It, does that something you think should be generated from the CEO's office, or is that something a committee should do of these different, you know, well, departments? I, 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 to be bold, I, I think you should have the auditor and CEO on and live on KZYX work out who's going to do it. Maybe it's a partnership. <laughs> I, I, as a supervisor, I mean, I, I asked the CEO to, to generate it, and she tells me she doesn't have access to the, the financial, financial systems to do it. Same answer I got from for, from Carmel Angelo uh, when, when she was CEO. I don't doubt that. I don't think the CEO has a way to get into that financial system. She can get into Munis. She can look at what we budgeted. But, you know, payments that have been issued year to date, I don't think she has direct access to that. So I think the, audit, the auditor controller is one of the, the key players in generating these reports. Now, if, you know, if we need to give resources, if the auditor needs another employee to do this, it would be great if that would come to us, uh, us as a request. I think the board would probably support it. Um, if you know, if the answer is to give access to the executive office, you know that that would work. Or maybe the auditor can just uh, generate it. But I I don't have a preference who does it. You know, the public they see the county as one entity. Correct. I don't think the public cares. Well, which employee in which department generates this report? They just care. Can they view a report? And are the supervisors working with accurate forecasts to maximize their public dollars? Well, I will attempt to get the new uh, auditor, controller, tax collector on. I mean, I'm sure she'd be more than happy to come on and discuss what's going on in her department. Um, And she's really busy trying to combine those departments. Um, But I agree, we do need to get more communication between the various departments to generate one cohesive or at least at least a summary. Maybe let's just go for a summary. It doesn't have to be, you know, every department with every minutia of what's been spent, but just a summary of what's going on that somebody that can explain it. And I had always been under the opinion or under the assumption that that came from the CEO's office under Carmel Angelo. So I guess you're not seeing it that way. That I, the only reporting I've seen is after the fact and you know far far after the fact it's old news what happened last year we should learn from it but it's it doesn't give us the insight into what's happening today yeah i i totally understand that i just am um 
at a loss as to how we move forward to get that reporting unless you set up, unless the board says this has to happen. I mean, can the board say you guys need to, you, your departments need to get together. This is the report we want it. We want it generated in three months. Make it happen. We don't care how it happens. Is that the way it happens? Or should the board try to work with the, these gr- the two different agent or departments to help them coordinate it? I mean, do you just put it back on staff, or does do you have a committee that figures out how that's going to happen and do it? I, I, I think we may be beyond the committee now. What okay. I was hoping okay. was we would ask the state, what is the best practice here for a rural county? What types of reports are reasonable? And do we have the right procedures and tools in place to do it? Right? You don't want to ask public employees to do something when they don't even have the tools to get the job done. It's just not fair. Okay. So get, get some advice. And, you know, the state interacts with 58 counties, and we're carrying out a lot of, of state work. They have the financial experts. They can guide us. And maybe they look at it and they say, Mendocino County is leading the rural counties. You, you're, you're doing great. Keep it up. Or maybe they say, here's some, some areas where you may consider best practices that are implemented elsewhere. I think that's a good starting point. Learn about the best practices and see what we can replicate at home. And, you know, frankly, I wouldn't mind the state looking at our, our software problem. Our, well, that'd you know, be nice. That, that's are a, that's are, a are we at a point in time where either the vendor needs to make it work for us or we need to make our data work with their software or we just need to, to call it quits and move on and take the loss? Um, I think we need to figure that one out pretty quick because otherwise we're burning more money uh, chasing after a solution that, that you know, hasn't worked in six years. I'm not holding my breath that it'll work next year. Good point. Let me just say to listeners, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, our phone lines are down. We were, uh, PG&E was in here messing around with our power earlier, and we were on generator. So our phone lines are down. Otherwise, I would have opened them up. I'm sorry. We're just having a great conversation with Ted. Um, so sorry about that, but the phone lines are down here at the radio station right now. So, Ted, I, I guess the... The whole idea of you asking for state help, I don't know if it was blown up that, oh, my God, we're in a panic and we're crashing and nothing's working. I think that's kind of where it was perceived in some of the media. Um, The way you're stating it now, just asking them for guidance does seem it. I mean, that sounds like a fairly good idea. If If they come in and look or you have time to look otherwise and see other counties are doing it differently and it's being more, the information comes out more accessible to the board and to the community, I think that's a great approach. Um, I just think like a lot of it was interpreted as, oh my God, we're, we're financially crashing and our systems are all messed up. Um, well, we, we do have software that can't generate a report. <laughs> True. We did, we did delay an outside audit. It uh, looks like, like a matter of months. Not having a balance sheet. Staff tells me we've lost grant opportunities. One was more than a million dollars. So, you know, in a county that's um, you know, kind of scraping by, a million dollars is a big deal, and that's just one opportunity we lost. Uh, we have a jail project that looks like it could be maybe $8 million over budget and probably growing, and I imagine that won't be the last jail-related project. We have a health plan that we can't seem to afford, um, you know, f- mil- millions of dollars um, uh, last year and probably millions in the year ahead that aren't... I, I think we do have a financial problem, and it's... It's... Uh, it's uh, 
it's like we're in a different time and we need to rethink everything, how we do business. And, you know, since I've been on the board, we've been hearing we don't have enough employees. We're not paying our employees enough. And the public is dismayed that we're not getting everything done. Well, we've, we've sliced the pie so many ways. We're not paying fair wages. And yet we still say we need, we need growth in, in the, the overall uh, employee count. That's a, that's a structural problem. We need to, fa- we need to, to face it head on. And I don't, I don't have a proposal of exactly what to do, but I don't think we have enough information on the table to, to make a, a wise decision at this point. Well, I would, I, would, I would suggest that probably every county is having the health care issue with their employees and that. They're also having the pension retirement fund issue. I think every county is having that. And any county that has to worry about a new jail building is going to have the same issues that we're having. I don't think that's unique to Mendocino County. I also agree, like you stated, and I think I will state again, is that if the state is going to send back, is going to um, send back a lot of the prisoners and incarcerated to the county, then they need to help fund the buildings that are supposed to handle their overflow or what they're sending back. I totally agree with that. So going for outside money for our jails, I think, is really important. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is where do we go from here? Looking to the state to get some input onto some possible uh, upgrades or changes in our system, I think, is a good is it maybe a good suggestion to go? Um, it's just that I, I think. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, yeah, I think I think we need to have good data um, presented in a you know intelligible way in order to make that case. I you know I, I heard the suggestion. I think it was Supervisor Jurdy suggests that we ask the state to chip in on this jail. Yeah, it's a great idea. We need more state funds. I think I fully support that. I think the board supported it. But if I had to go to the state, I would want to be able to show this is why we need it. These are our financials. These are our, our mandated services. These are our obligations. Uh, we can't make do with what we have. And I, I don't know that we have that information. At least if we do, it's, it's, um, it's not formatted in a way that makes a compelling case. Yeah, I would suggest it's the formatting and the presentation of the information. I don't know that we don't have the information. I I would lean towards more it being in inaccessible uh, format. How's that? Um, well, it's you know it's probably in a file in a box in a in back room somewhere, and but that doesn't do the current board much good. I don't. I wouldn't know that there's a balloon payment on debt from you know a decade or two decades ago. Unless somebody mentions it to me, so what else? That do I should have been recorded. That would you would have thought that had been recorded somewhere, at least in our um, annual uh, profit and loss or balance sheet. That would come up as a liability, but that's just my humble opinion. Well, well it's, pro- it's probably it's probably there, but like you said, it's a presentation. This is a board exactly two. Yeah, looking at the year ahead, what are all of the liabilities that we need to know about? And, um, you know, there's probably facility liabilities that we haven't been doing upkeep. What are those costs? We need to see the full picture. Well, that and, was actually in the audit, that, but that was from a year, two years ago. That was in the audit. So, yeah. um, so where do you see going from here? What, what are you, I mean, what's the next move to get some of this coming back to you? Do you, do you say to Darcy Ansel, who's now the appointed or new CEO, we need you to come back with a good report, get together with the tax, the auditor, tax collector, you know, get together with them, come back with a detailed report so we know where we're at. Is that a step to be taken? 
it's probably, it's probably one of many steps to be taken. I mean, I think that we've, you know, I probably opened my mouth and stirred the pot a little bit here, but no kidding. I, I, I think we are making progress. I think that, you know, it may be a little bit contentious, but at least we're having the discussion. At least we're talking about the sort of reporting that, that the board expects in order to do its job. We're talking about the software hurdles the other elected offices are having. And, uh, you know, I think it, this coming to a head is positive for the county, and I think that uh, we'll be stronger moving forward. Well, and you know, I, I hope it's not contentious at a, at a personal level. I think we have a, you know public servants throughout the county, elected and staff. Everybody's working hard and just wants to have a robust county and oh. provide you know the best services we can for the dollar. So I, I don't think it's personal. I think it's more structural. And we're all new. We've all inherited a legacy of how things were done in the past. Maybe it made sense in the 1980s. It doesn't make sense today. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we've got to wrap up. Um, Ted, thanks for coming on. We'll stay on top of this. I'll keep reading the numbers and trying to explain it to people. So thanks a lot for coming on the air and keep at it. How's that? Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ted. All right. That's Ted Williams, 5th District Supervisor. We came at you with that. Um, I'll try to keep informed on what's going on with the budget and all of this. It's uh, very convoluted. If you get a chance, do go to the auditor's. Uh, uh, very convoluted. If you get a chance, do go to the auditor's uh, page on the web, and you will see all these audit reports. They are long and detailed. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.